God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before you start timing me, because I'm told I have 10 minutes, <laughs> let me thank the bishop for inviting me to his diocese uh, to see the way things are done here. And let me also thank the dean uh, for accepting that I uh, take the pulpit. And uh, the professor of liturgics, thank you so much. When you give uh, um, a fellow Episcopalian or Anglican the pulpit, you are very bold because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I read through the three passages, and I've, I felt I should speak out of conviction, and therefore I chose to give this 10-minute homily on the reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Very challenging time for the early church. And when I read the passage, which has just been read to us, I read the whole section because that section begins from verse 27 of chapter 5 and goes right through to uh, verse 42. There are two speeches there. The one read to us is a speech by Peter on behalf of the apostles. And then the other speech is by Gamaliel. And Gamaliel is very dear to me, very, very dear to my heart. So as um, a, a student myself, I'm not a student of the Bible. I'm a student of the Quran and uh, uh, the religion of Islam. Uh, but I am a Christian, and I believe in the Bible as the word of God. So, in that section, Matthew, uh, Acts 5, 27 to 42, we have a story about obeying God regardless of the consequences imposed by mankind. And that's what I want to talk about. Like Peter the Apostle, all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, leaders and those being led, are encouraged to obey the Lord rather than man in situations where the two are in conflict. And we always have such situations all the time. For example, when obeying our political or religious leaders will cause us to do something that we are convinced goes against God's word. We are to obey God's word instead of obeying our political or religious leaders. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. But at all other times, followers of Jesus Christ are called upon to obey their leaders as commanded 
in the scriptures, with Romans 13 as a very good example from the lips of Paul. In our passage, Peter and the disciples have been arrested and brought before the Jewish high court, technically called Sanhedrin, on charges of preaching the gospel in spite of being ordered not to. Verse 28, where we read the high priest saying, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. That is the New International Version, the UK Version, the English-English Version. <laughs> now, I am not sure what your take is on Peter's speech, as well as that of Gamaliel, who is presented to us as not being one of the followers of Jesus Christ. And I think that is significant. Gamaliel here is not a believer, but we are presented with both speeches. However, I have no doubt at all, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that both speeches were inspired by the Holy Spirit. I am particularly attracted by the speech made by Gamaliel. God used this man in his speech to save the lives of the disciples. Just imagine for a few seconds, if they had been put to death, what would have happened? I mean, naturally we would say, it will have been the death of the movement, the death of Christianity. Instead, Gamaliel fulfilled his part in God's plan by encouraging the members of the Sanhedrin to leave the disciples alone. I think it is significant. You have someone here being used of God who does not actually subscribe to accepting Jesus Christ as God. It's very significant. Now, when we go back to the entire section within the Acts of the Apostles, just to remind us, to recap, God first delivered the disciples from jail, if you remember that, through supernatural means by sending an angel from heaven. You remember that story very well. Then, God delivered them through natural means by causing an enemy of the Christian faith to argue for their release. This passage is therefore proof of the work of God's sovereign hand in history. That's how I understand it. God, therefore, can use the thoughts of those who oppose the gospel to preserve and protect his servants. For me, that is the first lesson. God can do it. He did it, he still does it, and it is his character to use 
even those who oppose him to protect and preserve the lives of those who um, obey him. There is no time for me to give you examples, but just one I've, I've just remembered. As a young priest, we decided to go into the city of Zaria, mainly a Muslim city, for a crusade. We knew what we were up to, but we were convinced it was right to do. It was a good thing to do. So we went, and we started preaching. I was the driver. And as soon as the preachers started, they started stoning us. The natives started stoning us. And I remember that night I had almost 10 people on the uh, pickup, the van I was driving. How I managed and went through the whole, because we were hundreds there, in the dark, just with the light on, how I managed to escape without hitting anybody and without anybody being killed is still a miracle. But the outcome of that experience made a huge number of the people in that area to begin to ask questions about Jesus Christ. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. The emir himself decided to see us. We had the opportunity of telling him why we did it. We were not imprisoned like these guys were, but we had the opportunity to at least present the gospel in the language the chief of that area could um, understand. So, brothers and sisters, back to verse 29. The disciples obeyed God by continuing to teach and to preach in spite of of the warning from the Sahendrin. They were not willing to give up. The disciples knew that God wanted to fill the minds of the people with truth. That was what was pushing them. They knew the people needed to hear the truth, and God wanted the people's mind to be filled with truth. Because that was the only way they could oppose the lies that Satan wanted to fill the people's minds with. When you have a mind that does not have the truth, it's easy for Satan to fill that mind with its own version of the gospel. So as Christians today, we also need to be filled with spiritual truth. Whether you are ordained or you are not ordained, we all need to be filled with spiritual truth in order to counteract the lies that Satan and our secular world want to fill our minds with. We get spiritual truth by regular worship, as we're doing, and that's why we encourage Christians to come together and worship together we also get spiritual truth from the study of the Bible, either as individuals or in groups. And of course, we get spiritual truth through fellowshipping together and sharing our stories and sharing our testimonies as 
Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As I look around in this country, I want to say that you are blessed in the United States. This is because you are very fortunate. You can share your faith freely. But I want to tell you, sisters and brothers, that in very many parts of the Anglican world, it is against the law to share our Christian faith and even opinions in some provinces of our, of our church or our communion. You are free here. You can disagree even with your bishop. You can disagree with your priest. You can disagree with your professor. And you can go anywhere and preach the gospel. But there are many parts where your brothers and sisters live where this freedom is not the experience of your brothers and sisters. And so, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an allegiance to a higher authority, which is God in Christ Jesus. We have an obligation. And as Dr. Charles Stanley, I don't know how many of you have read about him. He's the president of uh, uh, Torch Ministries in Canada. He said, and I quote him, we have to obey God and leave all the consequences to him. <coughs> Worth thinking about. From my limited experience, therefore, in life, permit me as I close to share this reflection. I'm of the opinion that as followers of Jesus Christ, we must expect persecution for doing God's work using God's means. But we must remember that if we are persecuted for obeying God, God might not stop the consequences from happening. Underline that. He might not ease the consequences. He might not. The persecution we face might be part of God's plan for our lives. And I believe that with all my heart. Brothers and sisters, if we feel battered and bruised, we must remember that God sometimes delivers us through the battering and bruising, not from the battering and the bruising. Through, not from. We, like the disciples, must remain committed to obeying God regardless of the cost. Obeying God is a Christian thing to do. When we obey God, we don't know what the result will be. But I can testify that he, God the Almighty in Christ, will bless our obedience in some way. Amen.